Welcome back once again to Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are you this Monday? I've been blustered. Yeah, it is. Too windy out there, isn't it? It is, yeah. I love kite flying. My grandfather used to go kite flying and taught me how to make kites back in the day. Oh, okay. I remember yeah. doing that with just a bit of wood and yeah. I think maybe paper. Yeah, a bit of 3B2 yeah. and yeah, some paper and up they go. 3B2, these are big kites. <laughs> What do you got planned for us today? Oh, I thought we'd uh, we'd just give a bit of a wrap up for the Maitland and Coalfields District Orchid Society. They've got a show on this weekend. Uh, we talk about uh, Diantha's memories because uh, if you buy one of those plants, you help dementia research. And also, we might give away a uh, one of the eco products today for someone who calls in, and I can recommend using one of their products for them. Very good. We've got Pauline from Lemon Tree Passage. Pauline, how can we help you today? I put it in the ground in uh, my veggie patch, which is very well manured and everything. And it's about six foot, seven foot high at the moment. And I haven't got one um, flower on it for any fruit at all. And then about 18 months ago, I put a um, passion fruit vine not far from it on a trestle. And it's gone to two trestles with beautiful green leaves. And that hasn't got any um, flowers for fruit on it either. Oh, Pauline, I reckon what's happened in that garden bed is that it's lots and lots of high nitrogen fertiliser in there. What are you fertilising it with? Um, usually bags of compost from Bunnings, what they sell there. Okay, well, we don't know exactly what they sell, but it sounds like it's high nitrogen what you've actually got in there. That's why you're getting lots and lots of, of green leafy growth. Uh, so what you need to do is get some sulphate of potash. It helps the flowering and fruiting of plants, and you just start adding that into the soil. Now, you just don't do it once. Uh, you do it as per the instructions, and you keep on using it over a, you know, a, a period of time, probably about a year even, uh, so that by the time you get back to that next season for your passion fruit and for your lemon tree, there'll be plenty of potash in the soil and it will be actually uh, you know, helping the flowering and fruiting of the plant. Now, I think that's what's happened. Sounds like you've uh, been using a nitrogen-rich fertiliser. What, what part of the year should they be fruiting? The flowers? Yeah, uh, look, le- lemons I've, I've seen fruiting at the moment. Passion fruits, probably they won't start fruiting again until September because they like that, that warmer time of year. Yes, that that would help pollinate the trees, but I guess the short answer for that is no, because if you actually haven't got the flowers on there in the first place, there's nothing for the bees to come and uh, pollinate. So, uh, look, it's not going to hurt, but you really need to use that potash and try and get the uh, the flowers and the fruit actually coming onto the plants for you, for the bees to come and buzz along and pollinate. Okay, thank you very much. That's all right. No worries, Pauline. Bye-bye. Bye bye. It's a gardening talk back on two and you are FM. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on four nine two one six two one six. Now, Scott, Orchid Day. Orchid, Orchid Day. Society. Yes, we'll give it a, a, a wrap now. We'll give it a wrap later on because I know if you know people start saying dates and things to me, I'm hopeless. I forget exactly. immediately. Exactly the same. Yeah, but I've forgotten your name already. Sorry, 
What? Yeah. <laughs> so it's Maitland and Coalfields District Orchid Society, uh, St. James Church Hall, uh, which is actually on the corner of Tank and High Streets, Morpeth. And they're doing that on this Saturday, the 28th of May. So you can have a squiz from 9 till 4 on the Saturday. And on the Sunday, you can have a squiz from 9 till 3. So these guys, uh, they'll be selling orchids as well. It's a really good time to go and uh, have a look at these sort of orchid shows because orchids are just starting to come out in bloom at the moment. So oh, okay. Yeah, yep. so it'll be a really nice show. They'll have some pretty amazing plants there. They also hold meetings as well, if you're interested. Oh, right, yeah. Yep. Uh, and they're at the Masonic Hall, George Street, East Maitland, on the second Thursday of the month, and they start at 7.30. But I'm sure the guys up there will be able to, and girls probably, will be able to tell you all about it if you go up there on Saturday and Sunday. We will revisit that at the end so we don't people don't forget. Of course, exactly. Like you and I. Well, I've forgotten already, so yeah, yeah. we better do it again. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just before we go, um, mushrooms. I was thinking the other day, I'm probably just dumped you straight on that because I've just thought of it. Yes. How do you grow mushrooms? Yes. You are, get, or are they easy to grow? They are easy to grow. You get a mushroom kit. Yep. And in the mushroom kit are the spores. There's the proper stuff to grow them in. You need a dark, dank place. Okay. Like a dungeon or something like right, that. Yeah. yeah have you got one of those? I'll, or? I'll start digging tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so you need a dark, dank place. I remember as a kid, we used to grow them when we lived over in Merriweather on the side of the hill and the water used to sort of drip down uh, into our bedrooms. Um Okay, and that's where we grew them down in yep. there, and it was very—it was an old shower recess, I think. Mum and Dad had put a bed in there for me, and uh, that's where we'd grow the mushrooms, and they did very, very well. Oh, fair yeah. enough. Like, so you can't just pick anything as well because you know you get the stray ones in your yard. Yes, I think they're called magic mushrooms. Okay, so you can definitely not touch. I, that. I wouldn't be touching the magic mushrooms now. Fair enough. Okay, David from Tanilba Bay, and something about fertilizers, David. Hey, David. G'day, Scott. G'day, guys. Um, I'm just wondering, am I simplifying it too much, but could I get it down to, say, maybe one or two spray bottles with a good fertiliser that would do yard and shrubs or anything like that? So you're talking just about using liquid fertilisers, are you, mate? Yeah, something like that, whatever you suggest. Just a general purpose sort of fertiliser, you know? Yeah, there's an excellent one called Flourish. It's a liquid fertiliser. It comes in a granule, and you mix that up in the watering can. Uh, so you actually have to drench the plants with it. Uh, it's not something you can use in a spray bottle, I guess. Uh, so it is very, very good, and there's uh, you know a very good all-purpose uh, you know one of that. You can get specific ones for green growth or for herbs and things, but there's a good all-purpose one you can use. Uh, the other thing uh, you really need to keep in mind, though, David, is that just using liquid fertilisers all the time uh, isn't uh, fantastic. Where are you from, mate? Oh, okay. So really sandy soil. So you need to be adding organic matter as much as possible uh, to your soil up there. So cow manure, mushroom compost, uh, that's what you really need to be using and using your uh, liquid fertilisers as a backup. All righty. And a good one for the yard? For the lawn? Oh, uh, yeah. Again, you're probably best to be using a, a granular fertiliser. Uh, you know, number 17, Searle's put out a really good one uh, yep. as well. Uh, there's yep. there's one called uh, Blade Runner, uh, which Neutrog put out. It's an excellent one uh, and a great name as well, I might just add. So uh, <laughs> so that, that's an excellent fertiliser to use on your lawn. Again, it's a granular one. Important you're using that up around your place. Those weed and feed type ones, look, they're great as a sort of an instant fix. So, you know, they'll green up yep. your lawn for you. They might burn off some weeds, but... As a long-term uh, fertiliser for your garden, for your lawn, they're not really that flash. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. They use something, something decent. Yeah, definitely do that, yep. Thank you. Okay, thanks, David. Cheers, David. We head to Beresfield now with Lloyd, and he's got a question about snow peas. Hey, Lloyd. Hey, good day, Scott. Um, <clears throat> yes, yeah, Scott, I, I planted a whole packet of snow peas, 
And uh, I just happened, I think there was about three came up. Uh, I was just wondering, could it be something wrong with the soil? Or? Yeah, look, it possibly could be. Uh, you Mostly you'll get a germination very quickly because, you know, you stick a seed in the ground and it's not yeah. really feeding from the soil straight away. It's actually feeding from, uh, you know, inside, uh, you know, what's inso- <laughs> inside the seed. Yeah. yeah, so it's, you know, it's, that's how it's germinating, doing that. Hmm. Uh, it, you know, it may be that it's sent some roots out, though, and all of a sudden they're going, oh, I don't really like what's here in the soil, and, mm. and it's burned off very quickly. The thing with peas is they like uh, really sweet soil, so you use dolomite lime in that area, and mm-hmm. and you sprinkle that around, and then you water it in for about a week, just so it's you know any seeds you put in actually aren't going to grow straight out into the into yeah. the powder of it. Yeah. And that, that's the best thing to do. Uh, look, and make sure you're watering it well. Sometimes you get a failure with a packet of seeds, but. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I'd probably just give it a go, um, you know, spread some dolomite lime around, a uh-huh. uh, little bit of poultry manure as well, leave it for a week and then plant your seeds. Right. Yeah, so last year I planted them and everyone told me, because I'm a bit of a novice gardening, uh, everyone told me I planted them at the wrong time. I planted them in spring and surprisingly enough I got heaps. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and every, everyone tells me, no, that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they'll still germinate for you, but what you find during that time of the year, fungal diseases are far more prevalent So, yeah. and, and peas are notorious for getting downy mildew yeah. and, and that's why people would say don't plant at that time. You are better yeah. to plant in these uh, less humid months. Yeah. Okay, then, Scott. Thanks okay. very much. No for problem, that. Lloyd. You have good luck with it. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Cheers. Thanks, Lloyd. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 in your RFM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, you mentioned a plant about that helps out dementia? It does. It, the plant exactly itself so it doesn't, doesn't help out dementia. But if you buy the plant? Yes, if you buy the plant. It's called Dianthus Memories. It's got a very charming picture of. Ida Buttress. You're on there. Everyone loves Ida Buttress. Everyone, everyone loves Ida. I believe she was the uh, editor of uh, Women's Weekly. Yes. Yes. For a long or time. Or something like that. For some time. And something to do with Kerry Packer as well. Uh, now, if you buy this, and, and Dianthus Memories is a white flowered plant. Dianthus are a particularly tough little plant. Uh, they'll uh, grow in some shade. They'll also grow out in the full sun. And you get a profusion of flowers off them. You get whites, uh, reds, pinks. But this one is particularly is white. And if they get a bit straggly, you give them a good old cutback, a bit like my hairstyle. Yep. And uh, it just comes back full and much many more flowers on there again for you. Very easy to look after. Now, the great thing about this one, if you buy it, 50 cents from the sale of each plant is donated to Alzheimer's Australia Dementia Research Foundation. That's a great cause too. It, it really is. And you're going to have a beautiful plant in the garden uh, and you're helping out a cause. So tick in every box. Absolutely. Colin from Rutherford. And he's got problems with onion weeds. Oh dear, Colin. That doesn't sound too good, mate. No, it does not, does it? No, I've, we've only just shifted here. and I've dug it all up and everything else and left it. It's come back up again now, but there's a lot of finer stuff coming up now. Yeah, look, unfortunately, Cole, all, all good intentions, mate, you've actually probably done probably the worst thing you actually could do, and that's digging it up. And the reason for that is because when when you actually, if you can get one out the ground entirely, you'll find that there's the main bulb, and then there's all these little bulblets all on the side of the main bulb. And as soon as you go and pull the plant out or dig it, they just slop off. They're, they're really, really, they're only attached there very, very, very tentatively. And they'll just, they'll just sort of bang. They just go back into the soil. And that's what's happened to you. You've been digging all good intentions, mate. Um, but unfortunately, it's sort of worked against you. The best thing to do with onion weed uh, is just to use Roundup uh, glyphosate and be you know, very, very persistent with it because you're trying to kill that little bulb down in under the soil. So you spray it 
and then you have to wait a little while and you'll see new ones come back up again and then you spray it again. You will get rid of it, but it is unfortunately persistence that will do it. Don't try and dig it up, mate. It just creates more problems for you. Yeah, just spray it with Roundup. Absolutely, yeah. Now, remember, Roundup kills anything that it touches. So if you've got onion weed in the lawn, do not spray with Roundup. Uh, mm. I'm pretty sure there was someone on TV who, someone who said, oh, yeah, mix it up half strength and you can use it. And, of course... You can't. You can't. No, no, that's that's bad. That's a bad thing to do. So make sure you always round up anything it touches. It'll kill if you get overspray or drift. Uh, it you know can do a lot of damage. So always be down yeah. close to the plant and uh, spraying you know with a nice heavy uh, droplet. So don't dig it up anymore, mate. It's only going to cause more pain for you. No, then. Okay. Look, the other thing you can do is mulch very heavily over the top of it. Uh, and give that a try and see what happens as well. But you really need to be doing it in concert. You need to be spraying and mulching and just try and smother it all for, for you in the garden. Right, then, mate. Yeah, try to the lawn everywhere. Oh, dear. Look, I, I don't worry about it too much in the lawn because the only time you really see it is in winter when you're not mow, you know, when you're not mowing. The grass stops, but the onion weed keeps growing. In summer, you tend to just mow it out, and I, I've never really worried about it too much in winter. I know it's there, but, you know, you just accept it and just know you're going to cut the head off it, um, um, you know, when you pull the mower out. Yeah, right up. Okay. Poor old Collie. Sounds a bit crestfallen there. Yeah, it was very disheartened, I think. Yeah, I didn't have good news for him, really, did I? No. Well, we kind of did. You just solved his problem. I I hope I gave him the bad news in a nice way. Well, that's what I think you did. Yeah. And that's the best way you can give bad news. That's what I strive to do all the time when I'm giving bad news. (laughs) It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. We've got Dennis from Belmont North about camellias. Dennis, what's happened to them? <laughs> How you going, Scott? Good, mate. Um, well, they're in flower and they come up in bunches of flower, I suppose you'd call it, at the tips of the... And mate, you should, one... you should open up a florist if they're coming out in bunches already for you. Just... <laughs> Off you go, sell them for uh, themselves. Well, yeah. then the flowers don't last long. Yep. If you get one flower opening up, or semi, um, but then the rest of them don't. They turn brown, and and I couldn't see anything, so I've been trimming them off, cutting them all the ones down off, and then I cut some lemon tree, trimmed it all off, and I put it all into a a large bucket container, Um, and then sometime later I was looking at those cuttings, and I could see, this might sound silly, something moving really really fine i i mean it's so small i could just see something that was moving yes and then i was getting itchy arms ah. um what what would that be and which one would it come off the canoe or the lemon tree it, it may be you've had a mite of some sort uh, in your lemon tree. I, I wouldn't say that, the, you know, the way the flowers are browning off, that that's a mite of some sort. Uh, not. No, I don't think so. That's going to be off your lemon tree. You've probably had that. Uh, I thought you were going to say there was some, you know, like some sort of big slithery sort of monster in the <laughs> that's bucket. What that's thinking. what I was thinking too, like an anaconda well, or something like that. It's become so itchy on my arms. Yeah, look, I, I don't think that's what that is. But we can do something about your uh, the flowers on your camellia. Uh, look, yeah. you're going to have to do two things. Um, 
usually you use a sulfate of potash just to promote flowering and make stronger flowers on your camellias. I know I'm always rabbiting on about that, but it does really work very well. And the other thing uh, I'm going to recommend is a, a fungicide for you, and this one's called Ecofungicide. Um, and maybe because you've called up about it, we'll actually give you some of it. So if you call into work, we'll actually give you some of that. And you spray uh, all over the plant, but mostly the flowers, because I think what's happened is they're, they're, it sounds like they've got a bit of a fungus in them, and that's why they're browning off like that. Um, so look, ecofungicide works really, really well. Uh, it controls all sorts of fungal diseases, um, and it won't mark you know the foliage or anything like that, or put any harmful residues in the soil. So, mate, come in, um, get a, a packet of that, and um, give that a go on your camellias. It's not too late or anything now. Oh no, mate, no, you can still use it now as long as there's flower bud. But always remember, yes. your camellias are only short flowering, though. So you know it's not like they hold uh, you know on the tree for a long time. They will drop off very quickly. But the way you mentioned that they're browning off like that, um, I, I think you've got some sort of fungicide. So come in and grab some of this uh, eco fungicide, mate. We'll give you a packet of it and uh, give it a crack. Okay. Okay. Not a worry. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Shall thank I? you, Dennis. Cheers. Cheers. Now, Scott, before we do get to our next caller, we'll talking talking off air about herbs that are good for your memory and for the life of me I well, surprisingly can't remember or have no idea no uh what is it uh, what is a good memory herb mm. well like all i can think of was carrots but that's the eyesight and that's also a vegetable not a herb and i'm sure there's penny penny water something for arthritis mm-hmm. but we need to know what the memory herb is because we can't remember which is quite ironic yes it is isn't it it's like a rain on our wedding day it is all right, it's getting talk back on to when you are FM. We've got Debbie from Cessnock about red, is it cordylines? Cordylines. Debbie, how can we help you with them? Uh, they're the big spiky ones, you know, with the head on the top? Yes. They're about eight foot high. Yep. Now, someone told me I can cut them off. Can I cut them off? You can. If you want to give them a good haircut, you certainly can. So I can just cut that big head off the top of them. You can, and then they'll sprout back from down below, um, down on the trunk. So, it, look, you can really um, sort of cut them down as, as low as you want to. As low as I want them, okay. Yeah, right yeah. And, and they'll sprout back from there. I've seen them cut right down to the ground level to a stump, and they'll shoot back up from, from the ground as well. Oh, okay. Right yep. Yep. No, so you can, be, you can be savage. You can give them a, a what's it, what is it, when, a number one? Yeah. Number one, yeah. Number one. You can give them a number one if you really want to. I probably right. wouldn't. I'd, full shave, I think. Full shave. I'd probably style it a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think I'd leave them about three foot. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's about right. And you'll get a really nice full plant coming back out yeah. of that for okay. you. Okay, yeah. that'll be good, yeah. And will they colour up better because they're a real rusty colour? Oh, look, at the, now the rusty colour is a funny thing with them. I believe it's because of the fluoride in the water that they turn that funny rusty colour. Oh, but okay. certainly once you cut them, any new growth will come out, you know, without that marking on it. Oh, okay, right yeah. And another question too, I don't know whether I'm, I'm showing my age now, but years ago in the mall, they put in weeping mulberries. Yes. Do you remember that? Which mall and how old are you? <laughs> Newcastle Mall. <laughs> they ripped them all out real quick because I think they were too messy for them. Probably, yeah. But now we put, oh, in, our, in our last house, we put a weeping mulberry in, but they're only the little tiny ones. But in the mall, they were the big, juicy ones. Right. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't remember that. We need this memory herb. Uh, but that doesn't that wouldn't surprise me Newcastle City Council doing something right. like that. I just uh, wondered if you knew anyone that was putting the proper old mulberry onto the whatever they put it on, they grafted onto. Well, that, that's what I think they usually do. Any grafted mulberries we've had at work, they've always had full-size mulberries on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it yeah. may just be the size of the plant, you know, sustaining you know a certain amount of fruit and getting the oh, fruit up to, to size. Yeah. Well, we had it in there for oh, a few, fair few years and you had to pick... You know, a big handful before you even got the taste of it. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I, when 
I was a kid, I remember this huge mulberry tree in our sort of side neighbor's yard, and it felt like we were all kids, like the whole neighborhood could get into this tree, yeah, and it took yeah. up the entire yard. Yeah, well, I don't want to risk putting in one. We've got um, sewerage lines near the backyard, and yeah. I don't want to risk putting a big one in. And I, I, know, I know the weeping ones, that the, the root system's all right in them. They are. So I'd, yeah. I'd put in one of those because they do become a big tree and they do take up a lot of room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. And you, okay. got, you got away without telling us your age as well. <laughs> thank you very much. That's all right. We're, we're gentlemen here, both of us. Okay, Sometimes. thank you. Well, Bye. <laughs> maybe 50% of us. Okay. <laughs> it's a gardening talk back on 2 and you are FM. We've got Ron from Edgeworth and Ron's got problems with grubs climbing up his trees. Oh, Ron, tell us about it. Yeah, my, it's a, a grub from hell. It's it's a, it's a, they sort of builds. I think he comes from the ground. He builds a little teepee thing, and then he goes ripping up the tree. I've got this. Um, it's like a. It's a native. I think they're around the um, lake there at uh, Warner's Bay. They've got the yellow flowers that come on them. Yes. And it's about anybody. And they climb up there and they strip in the tree. Yep. I can't work them. I've never had anything like them in life, and I've had them for a while. Yeah, we, we've, they, we've seen them come in a fair bit, and you do have to spray for them. You're going to have to spray the entire tree. Uh, and you, The product you use is called Carbaryl. Uh, it's, it's an insecticide that works on uh, caterpillars and grubs, and uh, yeah, you, are, you are going to have to do the whole tree, and they're in that funny little cocoon thing that they form, so yeah, you, have to make yeah, sure you, do a, yeah, you have to make sure you do a good job of it. They're quite cute, aren't they? You see them ripping up the tree, <laughs> I guess they can be cute, but you want to get rid of them. Yeah. Oh, you just want to get rid of them. They hang down on on a web, on a on a stick. They come flying down. They come down. Anyway, yeah. Okay. So, what was the name of the thing? Uh, it's called it's Carbril is the one you need. Like, oh, Carbril. Yeah, Carbril. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Carbril is in the car you drive, and then Beryl, yeah, yeah. almost Beryl. You know, might be the name of your wife, but yeah, it's called Carbril. So that's the chemical. Yeah, yeah, need. yeah. I might have, I might have to cut cut a bit off the top so I can get off the. Get them down. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, okay, thanks, Scott. Okay, no worries, Ron. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks Bye. for your help. Thanks, Scott. We've got Lynn from Gressford. Now, she wants to get rid of weeds, and she wants to know all the ways how you can get rid of weeds. Okay, what ways don't you know, Lynn? Oh, g'day, Scott. Now, I've got this particular weed that's got um, bulbs on it. Yes. Uh, it's some, it could be onion weed or another one. Right. And... Um, is there an alternative to digging it out? Because I can't kneel. It's too painful to kneel. Yes. And I've got to sit on my bum on the ground, but I, have, I need help to get up, and well, it's very painful to get up. So, look, being from Gresford, there is an alternative. It's called a tractor. <laughs> And you can just dig things out with a tractor up aggressive. That'd be the great way to do. <laughs> yes, but, but this is um, this is a little garden ah, bed. Okay. Uh, but it's a garden bed in our front yard. Right. So and there's natives and other uh, bushes around. Okay, so it, it is really difficult to get rid of weeds, especially if it's onion weed or nut grass. Uh, again, the gentleman we were talking to before, Cole from Rutherford, uh, we were just suggesting using Roundup on that and doing it very, very carefully. Uh, now, you've got to remember that when you spray Roundup, it, once it touches the soil, it's actually neutralised. So just because you've sort of got other plants in the area doesn't mean it's going to affect uh, those other plants. Uh, it only really is absorbed in through the foliage of plants. So as long as you're careful with it, you can use it quite successfully. Oh, right. And then you don't, okay. you don't have to sit down on your bum. You can just stand up on, you know, in the comfort of your own feet and spray as much as you want to. Oh, 
Well, hubby can do the spraying. Yeah. I do the digging. Right. It should, you've got it all wrong. Well, what's the go there up at Gresford? It should be the other way around. <laughs> oh, well, we work in together well. Right. Okay. It was never like that for me, I can assure you. I was always the, the muscles. Of the Fair team. enough. Yep. But anyway, you, looking at me now, you wouldn't think so, would you? I don't know. I've never met you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg's looking at me now, and I can assure you he's shaking his head. I think he's just done his neck. He's shaking his head that that much. <laughs> oh, poor, poor, poor thing. I'll give him a massage. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I probably... Uh, sounds like your husband might need the massage after, you you know, all that digging and stuff. So, um, yeah, but I'd be using uh, Roundup and try and get rid of the weeds that way. Okay, thank okay. you. Not a problem. Bye. Thank you, Lynn. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lynn. We've got Myrna from New Lambton. She's got a few questions, mainly about rhubarbs and lemon and orange trees. And dahlias. Dahlias, okay. We can, we can handle them all, I'm pretty sure. We, we'll right. do a job lot for you here, Myrna. Okay, well, we'll do the dahlias first of all. I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, and I said I'd cut them down. The wind had got out, and I'd cut them down. What will I do? They're sprouting again and into bud again. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, they won't flower. I'm sorry to tell you. I've got a couple of the big red ones on and they'll be the size of a saucer. They're flowering. And also the dwarf ones, which are about 18 inches high, they're also flowering. Now, what look, do I do now? Do I cut them down again? Oh, look, I, I'm sure when I answer that question, I would have had a footnote <laughs> or some sort of proviso at the bottom of my answer that would have said, um, uh, you know, this is you know Indian summer, blah blah blah. Really wonderful things that. with the weather. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what's probably happened. It's yeah, you know it's right. still unseasonably hot. Uh, we were actually yeah. at the beach yesterday. Uh, and my kids were swimming. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. out at Redhead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Good. They got Lovely. back in. The rip didn't yeah. carry them away too far. <laughs> so what do well. I do with them now? Uh, well, uh, look, if you, if they are flowering, just let them be and uh, let them die off naturally in that case. Okay. Yeah, look, it could be we get a cold snap next week or a cold snap tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to, to Greg's weather there before, and I don't think he mentioned it. Uh, but, you know, if we do get a cold snap, that's when they're going to start going off. But I'll just leave them be, enjoy them for a little while. Okay, okay, and then cut them down again. Yes, and if Indian okay. summers do persist, okay. <laughs> you can't, you can't right. take, you can't take my, my answer as gospel. <laughs> now, my citrus trees, the orange and lemon, I spoke to you about those also. Yes. And that they were going mouldy, falling off the tree before they were ripe. Beautiful mm-hmm. oranges and had a fair good crop. But then it will have that curly leaf on it and mm-hmm. whatever. Citrus so leaf minor, yeah. Day before yesterday, what did I do? Cut them down. Now, will I, not right down, but I more or less trimmed them right back. Yep. Now, will I get fruit again? We always get a second crop, the navel oranges. Will I expect to get fruit on those again by um, the end of the year? Oh, look, I don't know how to answer you, Myrna. You've already, you've already <laughs> rung up about the dahlias and pulled me up big time on it. So what, what <laughs> should I say? Um it depends. Yeah, Looks right. a bit perplexed. Yeah, how, how about Wait and it? See. It depends. Wait and see. Uh, I, I am constantly surprised about when f- things fruit and flower, uh, uh, you know, just with the strange weather patterns we yep. have now. That's all uh, I can ever put it down to. You know, camellias are going earlier, orchids, you know, flower so much earlier. Uh, you know, you get second and third flushes of lemons and limes now. I've, yeah. You know, I've had the main crop still on and then it's all finished. And, you know, a couple of months later, all of a sudden you've got flowers on there again. And look, Albeit they don't, you know, uh, you know, ripen up as well. Um, but look, I think you know all bets are off, sort of thing, and just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, well, now speaking of bulbs, I'm sorry. What will I do with those? Because I've cut them back, and once again they're all sprouting up. Should I cut them back again? 
Uh, so this is just spring and summer bulbs, is it? Yeah, the, oh, there's orchids, you name it, in the bulbs. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't be concerned about that because all that's happening is anything that's growing is just feeding the bulb again down below. Okay. So that's actually a good thing. It's just providing more energy for next year when they come up again. Right. Yep, so don't, the, don't be too concerned about that. Right, now the rhubarb again. I asked you, but you had something on your mind about one of the children at the time. said, I'll get back to you. Rhubarb, it's flourishing. But the stalks aren't, they're red, but they're only tiny, not big ones like you see in the shops. What am I doing wrong? Oh, so I'd just be using trace elements on those to try and build up, you know, the structure. What was that again? Trace elements, I'd actually go, you just call them trace elements, and they'll actually build up the structure in the stalk of the rhubarb. Uh, the thing that always um, stumps me is how to turn them red, and uh, usually someone calls up for us. We love it when people call up. Mm. Well, mine are red, but they're not. No, you're, complete, you're completely opposite way around. I'll grab some trace elements and start adding those into the soil right. just to start building up uh, you know, the, the stalk of the plant and the cell structure there. All right. Thank you so much. Not a that. problem, Myrna. I, you, you've sort of stumped me half again, but I think I scraped through. That's so The weather does funny things, doesn't it? That's right. Thank, you, thank that, you very much. That's bye my bye. proviso. Well, no such thing as climate change. Apparently not. No. According to... But don't want to get too political. No, no, that's right. Um, the Moncton guy, that's right. It's gardening talk back on two and you are FM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp, and we've got Jack from Ellie Barna on the line. He's got questions about palm trees. Ah, uh, the tropical place of Ellie Barna. How can we help you with your palms, mate? I hope so. But, um, I've just got two separate um, twins, two separate gardens. One's full on sun, and the other one's I hardly get any. Mm-hmm. So the ones out the back, obviously, look dry, and the ones out the front, sort of mouldy-looking, you know? Don't seem to be doing anything. It's taken forever to sort of go, you know? What's, what sort of palms have you got there, mate? Are there any um, the golden palms and the Alexanders? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so both of those... Two easy ones. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're two easy ones to look after. A golden cane palms are a, sort of a clumping palm, and your Alexes will get uh, quite tall. Uh, so, look, and both of those will grow, uh, you know, out in the full sun as well. And, uh, you know, they will tolerate some shade. Eventually, they're going to get up into the into the sun as well. That's where they'll be growing for, especially the Alex. Um, so, um, yeah, look, when you say one's the sort of a bit uh, dry and, and brown, all that's going to be is just making sure that you're watering them uh, really, really well. And if we get, you know, hot, dry winds as well, that will definitely dry up palms. So just even a bit of a, a splash over the palms' leaves uh, because they'll absorb water in through the leaves' palms. They, they quite like that. It cools them down. That's why they grow in really humid conditions uh, so definitely do that uh, now the ones in the shade now describe what's happening to those a little bit more for me mate um well, they just look lifeless you know um uh, they just seem to be stagnant they're not doing much at all sort of been doing it for a couple of years now and yep you know now you haven't got the, bad, but that's about all they're doing you yeah. haven't got the lawn or anything around them have you there is a bit of lawn around them yeah okay and they're right up against the trunks are they or they're up against uh, the house. Right, okay. So, look, the lawn will actually soak up a lot of moisture and a lot, a lot of nutrients. So, it's important to get the lawn a little bit away from the plants yeah. and then start a feeding regime with them. So, you're going to have to start using some fertilizer on those ones as well uh, uh-huh. and use a nitrogen rich fertilizer. I know often uh, here we're talking, you know, against nitrogen rich fertilizers when people want things to flower. But in your case, you just want a green, lots and lots of green leafy growth. Uh, so, you can actually use a nitrogen rich fertilizer. Uh, on on that area there, mate. Well, even if, even so if you're the back fer- one should be all right with a little bit of water and yep. and and some nitrogen 
uh, rich fertiliser. And, and try and get that grass just away from the trunk so they can get some moisture down there and you can get that fertiliser in there to give them a helping hand. Right, mate. Thank you. Okay, not a problem, Jack. Good luck out yeah, there, mate. Good day. Thank All you. Right. Cheers. Thanks very much, Jack. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 when you are at FM. And Scott, once again, time is against us. Oh. The time and tide waits for no man. No, exactly right. I don't know who said that originally. But... Know, neither for you or I, does it? And we didn't. Oh, we did find out about the uh, memory herb. Oh yes, yes. The herb was Brahmi. It's named after a cow. I'm pretty sure. That's Brahmin. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, Scott. Before you go today, you've got a couple more plants for us. Yes, teddy bear, teddy bear magnolias. They're a very, very popular plant at the moment, and with good reason. It's uh, a nice card. It is a very nice tag on there, isn't it? It looks mm. like a beautiful little teddy bear um, with nice ears and everything like that. It draws the kids in. It certainly does, uh, but they are a very, very cute and wonderful plant. They're like the little gem magnolia. They get uh, to about three to four metres in height uh, and with those big, big white uh, flowers on them. And you also get the green glossy leaf on the top with this bronze underside. So they're a very, very attractive, very prunable plant. You can have them as a hedge. Uh, teddy bear is, um, it's probably a little bit slower growing than uh, little gem, but oh, no, it sort of has a little bit more of a compact, full uh, look to it. So it is a fantastic alternative to little gem. And that's uh, Magnolia teddy bear, very popular plant at the moment. And with good cause, salt and wind tolerant as well. Very good. Now, Scott, before you do go, just a quick another message about the Orchid Society this weekend. Yes, for all us Brahmi-affected people, or Brahmin-affected people, uh, we're having an orchid display. Well, not me. I'm sorry, the Maitland and Coalfields Orchid Society. If I was to do it, my God, it wouldn't be very good. Uh, at uh, St. James Church Hall up in Morpeth, Saturday between 9 and 4, Sunday between 9 and 3. Very good, Scott. Catch you next week. Absolutely.